Welcome back, everyone, and thanks for being here. I'm Dawn, the host of Procovery Podcasts. This week, we are bringing you the second installment of our interview with Seneca Santala, who retired in 2009 from her position as the administrator of the Division of Long-Term Care in Wisconsin Department of Health Services. During Seneca's 26-year career with the state of Wisconsin, she worked in appointed positions under three governors leading three different divisions that developed policies, services and funding for Wisconsin elders, people with mental illness, substance abuse problems, cognitive disabilities, and physical disabilities. Prior to those appointments, she was the director of the Bureau of Community Mental Health in Wisconsin Department of Health and Family Services from 1993 to 1998. She has also worked for the University of Vermont as the director of a National Technical Assistance Center that assisted states, counties, and provinces in the U.S. and Canada to develop community-based services, regular housing, and improved consumer choices for people with severe mental illness. Seneca was one of the strong initial supporters of Procovery and is the author of Procovery in the New Millennium, one of the two forewords in the book The Power of Procovery in Healing Mental Illness. We had a great time speaking with her and are very happy to bring you the conclusion to our interview. Here, Seneca shares her thoughts on Procovery's commitment to ensure fidelity and accountability. I actually feel good, and I am impressed that that is happening. There is a place, and an important place, always, for new ideas, experimentation, uh, discovering things just by doing and, and trying things out and finding what works and what doesn't. Um, there's always a good and important place for that. But when there is actually a, a required way of providing pro-covery services, I think that it shows maturity and it shows growth. Um, I think about this, especially again on, on sort of two levels. On the level of the individual who is struggling with a mental illness, with a pro-covery program that actually sticks to the fidelity and, and actually has the structure around it, it will tell and make sure that the pro-covery circle or the program is done right, that there actually are the outcomes that we know pro-covery programs can achieve. So for the person, the, uh, the fact that there is that hope and promise of improvement and healing and moving forward, I think that, that the structure assures more of that. It is not an experiment anymore. It is actually something that we know it works. Um, on a system level, I think that it's also very important that you can define what you're doing um, and so that you know if A and B are actually doing the same thing that we know works. And again, in the systems, that kind of accountability is important because when the systems are actually purchasing the care or that's that type of care, you must know what you're buying. You not need to know that you are buying an orange. <laughs> and if you're paying for an orange, you need to get an orange. So again, you need to know as a, as a system and a policymaker that what you are purchasing can be defined and can be measured. And you can also know if it is done right. Um, 
you also this way know that doing the program correctly will ensure that certain outcomes are uh, likely. So uh, accountability is a key in terms of, of doing it right. And actually, at the system and policy level, when there is assurance that there is fidelity to an approach, for systems and purchasers, it also gives comfort to them that certain outcomes will be present. And again, especially in this day and age, the keys for systems, purchasing systems, policymaking systems are accountability and outcomes. So I like it for the, to, for the system level. And I think that for Pro Recovery Institute, as an organization, it ensures integrity. If somebody is using that name, you know that it is actually doing it right. And again, you also know that if the name is used in sort of shabby ways, that the institute can actually intervene and get those people out of business or do the thing right. So I think that there is also that integrity to the, to the concept and to the program. Next, Seneca describes where she feels Procovery fits into healthcare reform. Well, I think it fits. And let me say at least four goals that are embedded in healthcare reform. First of all, access. More people will have insurance and more people will get care. And just on that overall concept, again, about thinking, especially about mental health, there currently are so many people with mental health issues who do not have access to care because they don't have any health insurance. In my state, Wisconsin is really working towards getting more and more people covered, but especially single individuals who, you know, don't, if you are not so disabled that you qualify for SSI, and if they don't have a job that gives them health care, they just often are the one group that truly falls between the cracks, and we certainly see it with especially people who are homeless, single people who also have mental health problems. I think that's the one big group. But also people who now, without care, end up in terrible places, like in jails and prisons, because they lack access to health care. So again, I think that healthcare reform, by providing more coverage and providing more access to care, certainly fits into the big concept of where pro-covery operates in the mental health field. The other one is there will be more regulations and rules to prohibit big insurance companies from making huge amounts of profits by denying services. And again, I think that this is especially helpful for vulnerable people, like people with mental illness, you know, pre-existing conditions, all of, of those kinds of things. And also the fact that lots of people with mental illness also have a tremendous amount of physical health needs that often go unmet as well. So less profit and more services, I think, on that big, broad picture fits very well. Mental health parity. That's where, again, people will get mental health care that they need. But where I really see the pro-covery concepts to come in here, in my hopeful world, I'm hoping that there will be much better coordination and integration of primary health care, substance abuse services, trauma-informed services, mental health services. And I think that when the mental health parity is really part of that picture, I think that that's that will be really helpful for people with mental illness. But I think that that is such a beautiful place for the pro-covery 
strategies to be because they embrace that same concept of integration and coordination of care across all of those, you know, different sectors of care. And then the fourth one, I think, in healthcare reform, what its goal is to accomplish is really embrace best practices and improving outcomes. And like I said before, that is exactly what ProCover is doing. It is a proven model. It can actually show outcomes. So it fits right smack into the, the concept of that accountability and good outcomes. So, yeah, I think that, again, in the healthcare reform, ProCover, I think, fits just very, very well. Next, Sanika shares with us a quote that speaks to her. You know, I was really thinking a lot about this uh, and and sort of feeling like, oh boy, I just can't quote like, you know, Eleanor Roosevelt just off the top of my head or something. And actually, because I grew up in Finland, there are a couple of nice quotes in Finnish, but that doesn't help. But I think that one quote actually to me is the quote that says, do unto others as you would like the others to do to you. I think that it sort of, to me, embodies and embraces the concept of respect and dignity best than anything else. Always to treat whoever you meet, um, to treat that person with respect and think about if I were in his or her situation, how would I want to be treated? How would I want the person to talk to me, um, to uh, to react to what I'm doing? So I guess that that would be the the one principle that I always go to, in sort of the in the, again in the foundation of of how I think about systems and people and services. We asked Sanika if she might share something about herself, and she said the following. I will tell a story. Why I want to tell this story is because it so shaped my thinking about people with disabilities and people's hopes and dreams and uh, also sort of shaped my thinking as I was in different places in uh, state bureaucracy, especially and state service uh, making policy. So this happened in um, early 1980s and uh, we were in a task force of people at Wisconsin Department of Health Services and one of the, the colleagues who was on the task force was a guy by the name of Dan and I have actually asked Dan if I can tell the story and he said that I certainly can so Dan uses a wheelchair he had a, a wrestling accident when he was 18 and so he just has some movement in his arms but uh, nothing else so he's in an electric wheelchair and on that morning, on uh, in sometime in 1980s, we were waiting for Dan to come to this uh, work group meeting, and he was late. And he, finally, he wheels in, and he looked just horrible. And we asked what was going on, and he said that he had stayed awake all night because his daughter, he had an adopted daughter, his daughter had an earache, and his wife was working as well, and it was Dan's turn to uh, stay up and try to comfort his little daughter. Um, and that's when it hit me. What people, all people want is they want things like family and friends, and they want a job, um, and they want a home. And with that, sometimes comes also things like staying up with your daughter all night and feeling really awful next morning coming to work, in spite of the fact that you have a spinal cord injury somewhere around your shoulders. Um, And yeah, he then has a significant disability, 
but he was still having a life just like I was. I actually had a, a daughter about the same age as Dan's daughter. So this whole thing about what do people with disabilities want and what should we work towards as systems, it's nothing more than that ordinary thing that is so extraordinary, as Kathleen says, um, a job, families who, who rely on you and on whom you rely, friends who rely on you and on whom you rely, um, a home, uh, a community. So anyway, Dan's story really was the one that sort of set me on my, on my path for all these years. Here we asked Sanika if there was anything else she would like to add. Well, I, I just wanted to say that, that I am just so, first of all, very, very pleased and humbled and happy to be part of these interviews, so thank you. But also, I just find the work that the Procovery Institute is doing, it is so uplifting and it is so exciting, and, uh, and the progress that has been made is, is truly remarkable. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, I'm a big fan, and I just wish... Uh, you all who work over there just continue success and, you know, I, I'm rooting for you. You are doing just fantastic work. We would like to extend our most sincere gratitude to Seneca for taking the time to speak with us. Please also remember to pass the Procovery Podcast page link along to friends, family, and colleagues. As always, we invite you to visit our YouTube channel at www.youtube.com slash Institute. Today, in honor of Seneca, we would like to leave you with the following quote by John Quincy Adams. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader.